Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Hellwing Power Hour. <laughs> Hello, pathetic earthlings. Welcome back to... The Hellwing Power Hour. I'm Rick Morgan, one of your hosts, and I'm here with my brother from Yo Mama, Danny Bennett. That's right, and we have a treat for you today because we're going to be going over the movie from which a lot of the inspiration for this show uh, comes, the 1980 Flash Gordon. And because it is... Ming's movie. The uh, the great Ming himself has come down and made sure that we will not be splitting time with any other movie. It is going to be only Flash Gordon all the time. That's right. He said that uh, no other movie can share the stage with him on this episode. So you're getting the Flash Gordon episode. So deal with it. Now, and that's not a big problem, to be honest, because there's plenty to talk about with Flash Gordon. It's one of those rapid-fire individual movies that just like all of our other ones would never be made like this ever again it is non-stop action from the beginning of the movie to the very end it just moves so fast so you might want to strap your boots on because there's a lot of information gonna be thrown at you so just sit back grab a cold mountain dew settle in hey so um while we have you some things have changed since we started and we have had the fortune of being picked up by Legion Podcasts, who uh, have a number of talented individuals uh, with, with podcasts. And feel free to hop on over there and check us out and some of our roommates. Yeah, just go ahead and say it. We're fans. We're fans of a lot of the podcasts that are on the show. Matter of fact, it's kind of the reasons that, uh, or one of the goals that we had set for ourselves to even be in the same category with a lot of folks that's over there. So we're super excited about this. It's only a good thing. A lot of great podcasts on there. Make sure you go and check them out and uh, just share the love. So we're just uh, very, very excited to be involved and, and uh, glad to be a part of the team. So super excited about that. Yep, and uh, I don't have anything more to say about that at the moment except, you know, again, how thankful we are and uh, how you should go by and check it out because it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Some great podcasts on there. Uh, my man Duncan McLeish has a podcast under the stairs one of my favorites uh another one called doing the nasty about the movies that were banned in england throughout the 80s and 90s is another great podcast devour the podcast midnight horror show i mean there's there's a bunch of them on there folks so just go check them out uh i enjoy them and i know you will too we'll be right back with flash gordon glad to be talking about this movie finally uh, tickle to talk about Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon approaching. 
That's right. Flash Gordon, the 1980 Italian science fiction film based on the 1930s comic. Just a, a great, fun movie that uh, leads in a lot, a lot of different directions that no other space movies go. I mean, a lot, a lot of visuals that are stunning. Treading the line between just ludicrous and superhero. It's, yeah. it's a movie that, that we both remember from watching as a kid. Yeah, it throws a whole bunch of stuff at you in such a short period of time. And uh, without further ado, to give us an IMBD synopsis reading, here's crappy Christopher Walken. Oh, Flash Gordon, a 1980 film, rated PG, 111 minutes, action, adventure, sci-fi, a football player, and his friends travel to planet Mongo to find themselves fighting the tyranny of Ming the Merciless to save Earth. Overall, this movie was a 6.4, 35,860, oh! 63 meta score. I heard this guy Ming had a ring, a golden ring, to rule them all. Personally, I think more rings. You gotta have more rings. Cause guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more golden rings. James James Jones, Flash Gordon. And of course, Mike Hodges was director. And Hell Ming? Thank you, Christopher Walken. Appreciate that. That's the best thing he's done since he did that uh, Captain Hook. (laughs) So, like we said before this kicked off, I mean, so much in this movie. It is campy and cheesy as it gets. But I dare say, besides Sin City, I've never seen a movie that really makes a comic book come to life on the screen. It... It just it looks like a comic book, and it's it was supposed to be campy. And thinking about the fact that this came out, you know, a couple of years after Star Wars, which was, you know, it was gritty and realistic. The effects were more like a like war. the The ships were flying around. They weren't on strings, and there weren't sparklers coming out the back. Um, to go to something like this, where it was obviously a blue screen. And everything was obviously in space with vivid reds and golds. And it's just, um, it, it was an interesting direction to go, especially, you know, since Star Wars ended up doing so well and was, you know, slated to do a couple more. Uh, on, on In fact, uh, George Lucas had wanted to do uh, Flash Gordon and because he couldn't get the rights, he ended up doing Star Wars. So without Star Wars, you wouldn't have these movies. And uh, it's just funny how they influence each other and gave us this gem of a movie. And without Star Wars, you also wouldn't have Battlestar Galactica. Without All a doubt. the people who did the effects for the first Star Wars went on to do that for the TV series. And got sued and, for uh, it. <laughs> they got sued because it was too much like Star Wars. It's kind of like John Fogarty getting sued for <laughs> sounding too much like John Fogarty. Hey, you know, what can you say? Dilo De Laurentiis at this point was cranking out more B-movies than Corman was. So this guy was just in his A-game. If you don't know who Dita Laurentiis is, uh, the movie that most people hate but I absolutely love, 1976 King Kong, is one of my favorite movies. And I just love that version of the movie. I guess because of the age and when it came out, I got to go see it. But he cranked out stuff. Amityville uh, Part 2, Orca the Killer Whale, Flash Gordon, 
Conan, this guy was all over it. So uh, when you saw De Laurentiis Presents, it was going to be fun. Well, the De Laurentiis family is still producing movies today. Uh, they're a powerhouse in um, <clears throat> they're a powerhouse in the filmmaking industry, and you know all the way up to uh, I think the last time I can recall going into a movie theater and seeing De Laurentiis go across the screen was uh, Army of Darkness. Yeah, it's first thing across there. I'm sure there are more though. It's just that's the kind of movie they turn out is uh, it's just something that's gonna. Have you buckle your seat and and get ready for a ride. And on top of that, with this movie, the soundtrack. How can you go wrong with the greatest band to ever walk the planet? Have Queen do your soundtrack for this movie. The song, the the Flash Gordon, you know, theme song is legendary. Everybody knows it, and uh, it's just a good marriage of visuals with with their music. Yeah, I, I think that the Flash Gordon or the Flash Gordon soundtrack by Queen. Uh, it easily stands out to just make it into that much better. You know, it's campy, and people might say, "Oh, that movie's just so hokey," but I mean, it's got a lot of really good quality elements from from visual set pieces to costumes to to the soundtrack. And if you can just get past the, it's almost like the space element of the movie is the worst element of the movie. <laughs> Everything inside that is very watchable in a campy, fun kind of way. But when they go to flying around in space, which doesn't look like space as we know it, it it takes away from your ability to just, just watch the movie because it's just so bad. <laughs> but it's great. So, Oops, Also, with the bad. soundtrack being so influential, I heard that uh, on this uh, recent tour, Celine Dion is coming out of retirement and this soundtrack has, you know, influenced so many people. Tenacious D, we're big fans of, huge Queen fans. But uh, I heard Celine Dion is going to, you know, come out and do the album in its entirety on tour. Hail Ming. Yeah, I, I think she actually has background singers that are dressed as uh, Hawkmen. They're going to have the big wings and um, crossbows on their arms. And uh, who knows? I mean, it's going to be an extravaganza. And a feast for the eyes. And then they get uh, Jerry Reed to come out at the end and sing the uh, theme song to Smokey and the Bandit. Hail Ming. Let's remember, everybody, Celine Dion is your friend. Let's talk about the movie and what matters. What matters in this movie? Well, what is a quarterback for the New York Jets drive, Rick? He drives a uh, wood panel station wagon, apparently. Here's the biggest star in football at the time. He's quarterback of the New York Jets on the cover of People Magazine and he's driving himself in a station wagon. That's class. And he's reading the People Magazine with him in it too, isn't he? Well, yeah, wouldn't you? I would. Oh, I do when yeah. they do stories about me. Yeah. And I guess we did jump ahead just a bit because we didn't talk about uh, about Ming's, you know, uh, Recreational yeah. activities there. Yeah. Or, His technology. I mean, this guy had Bluetooth way before we even considered having it. So, yeah, the guy can basically uh, twitch his little uh, eye ring <laughs> and make uh, earthquakes happen, hot hail, tornadoes. And he does this for fun because he's Ming. That's one of the things I remember as a kid is the hot hail. Is that sure. that last, you know, the light hot hail? I was like, what is hot hail? It sounds it sounds really frightening. Yeah. 
And then you get the opening sequence that has all the comic book strip stuff that moves real cool on the screen. I always thought that was such a great visual for the the uh, captions that's coming up, the titles. Now Marvel's doing it with all their movies. Yeah. The yep. flipping pages of the comics, and yep. it, it kind of segues it into the Marvel logo. So, you know, it was, again, it was before its time. People might watch it and think, well, this this is hang- hokey and, and campy and the acting is bad. But that was all intentional. It was supposed to be all that. And yeah. I think, you know, again, just like the movies that Rick and I do, it just, people didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah, they, they didn't understand you were supposed to check your knowledge at the door and just come in and, and experience a fun time. And uh, we've gotten so far away from that where things have to be serious and so matter of fact that... That's why people go back and revisit these and enjoy them so much because, you know, I don't want my movies serious. I want them to be fun. Well, and, and this movie is beautiful. Uh, the, the set pieces in it are uh, the colors or the costumes. All, all the things in it are just something you've never seen anywhere else. Yeah. So uh, they get up in the plane. Sky turns red. Then all of a sudden you get that flash of Ming, which just kind of comes out of nowhere. Destroys the plane, then uh, the actually it kills the pilots, right? And the pilots are like thrown out. I think they they, yeah, or, I think they just disappear or yeah. something. Yeah, Ming's so, red ghost comes in and they just disappear from the cockpit. Flash has been taking some flying lessons, so they're okay, <laughs> but not landing lessons. So. Not landing lessons. They're not that okay. So they crash land. We get to meet the great Topol as Doctor Hans Zarkov. My favorite character in the movie, to be honest, I loved him as a kid. I, I loved him. All of his lines, he's he's so over dramatic. I love Hans Zarkov. Yep. From the trivia corner, we just we just have to point out that you know Hans Zarkov has an assistant who has a little <laughs> oh I'm waking up it's hot hail kind of moment. And uh, Doctor Zarkov, there's no sun. I've looked outside and there's no sun. I think his name is Munson. Yeah. Yeah, and but. The the point is that you may or may not recognize him as Jack Porkins from Star Wars. He, uh, you know, Rick had called him the poor man's Ned Beatty. <laughs> yeah, when you can't get Ned Beatty, this this guy's the the fill in. And and just to to polish this whole thing off, the guy's name is William Hootkins. Right. Like an owl, Hootkins. So, so what, it, what's another reason to, to watch this movie that's that's coming up? Is there anything that's about to come up that's worth watching the movie for? The Rock Rock Rocket. Yeah. The rocket <laughs> that you have to stand on a pedal in the corner or it won't go, so you need somebody just to stand in the corner. Or the fact that he tells them that, oh, you must need to use my phone. It's inside this rocket. <laughs> <laughs> well, Flash isn't the brightest bulb in the box there. Yeah, and, and although Topol is probably an excellent actor in many things, Hans Zarkov is not the best actor when he's trying to convince people to get into his space rocket so they can sit on the space clutch so that he can uh, he can pilot it out into the unknown. He pulls the gun on him, right? And he tells Flash he can leave because he's heavier than the two. And Flash's line is like, well, I guess I'll be going along now. And then you get one of the worst choreographed fight scenes uh, in the history of filmmaking, I think it's pretty bad. I'm sure there's a worse one. We'll probably go over it in uh, in a future movie. But... Samurai Cop. Oh, oh. Last Action Hero. What are you talking about? Last Action Hero is a decent movie. You you're hating on it because you don't understand it. 
Oh, I understand. And I might not right. understand it either. <laughs> but it's pretty good. So so what about what about space? I mean, you know, the space and the Queen soundtrack flying to the Mongoverse. Yeah. For for God's sake, strap yourselves down. <laughs> <laughs> then then fall asleep because yeah. you know that's Yeah. Then you get that cool and they're flying through all the space and they're bringing them through through this sea of fire all the cool graphics going on and I think those still look great even though they're matte paintings and stuff the, those effects I still like a lot because they're so cartoonish oh yeah and, and it's it's something you've never seen before you know you see a lot of space looking like space but you don't see it looking like a, a swirling Degas painting we're going into space with Zarkov and they're gonna die. They're gonna go through the, you know, the the treacherous, perilous space between the Mongoverse and Earth, and uh, so Ming's like, "Well, just go ahead and let them through." And here's see the them deal. through safely. I want to see what they are. Here's the deal: we have already talked longer than if you had started the movie and got to this point in the movie. It's ten minutes in, and you're already in space. That's how fast this movie moves. It is quick, man. You you know, and it falls right in the category of what we're talking about with Big Trouble and all those. Man, action just nonstop. So they land the rocket. He gets to start seeing some crazy characters coming out. And here's here's the next reason to watch the movie. Handcuffs. Handcuffs. These giant golden hands that shoot out of a gun and, and hold people down. I mean, I've never seen anything like it in another movie. And it's so bizarre. It, it's it's kind of scary. Because it just looks so foreign and and menacing. Yeah, and you know the one grabs his hand, flips him over, then the other hand comes out and goes around his neck. They capture them, take them into Ming's castle. They go into the the, yeah, the, the throne room. The throne room, which is yep. incredible. The the craftsmanship that went into building this thing, uh, it, it's just mind blowing that this movie has this kind of work in it as far as a set. I looked it up, and the guy who does the the guy who designed the sets was a uh, was a fashion designer or something. I, I probably wrote his name down, but that's not what we're about here right now. Uh, I'm just going to say that it was all incredibly Italian, and has to be, and just really gaudy and gold and red, and and, and it'll hurt your eyes. But it's something again, like you'll never see in another movie. It's it's singular. And being a fan of the Italian films like I am, you hear that all the time about the craftsmanship of when they build things. Yeah, that set is just absolutely amazing. So a reason to watch this movie, Ming's Throne Room, without a doubt. Ming's Throne Room, 100%. And in that same room, the next reason to watch the movie, that's where you start seeing all the different people from planets. Man, the costumes are just crazy. He's got all the princes of the different... um, empires of of the mongoverse there and they're all there to to pay fealty to him uh you know with with tribute princes are all there to to give gifts to to ming and you know, timothy dalton shows up and and he's the prince baron and he gets into a fight with brian blessed because he says he stole his tribute and and they're about to throw down right there um but then they're told to stop because you know it's nobody fights in ming's palace but ming that's right. Not that he fights, but you know he's got that ring and all. And then the Hawkman gets upset, is about to hit him again, and they yell at him, and, and then Brian Blessed says, Hail Ming. That's where that comes from. 
Yeah, they they threaten his daughter, who's just right over there. It's so, like they, they show a close up shot of the daughter, like hiding behind somebody. And we haven't even gotten to Ming. I'm sorry, Max von Sydow, he's Ming. I don't see them Max ever finding anybody von that will play that part as Sydow. well. Perfect, perfect for the part. Oh, he does a tremendous job. I mean, just like Topol, he's he's an incredible actor, and he did a great job of just. Stepping in and and being this, this villain, and you you want to hate him, but you have to kind of like him because he's got so much style. Reasons to watch the movie. So far, you've got you've got the quarterback of the New York Jets in a yellow station wagon. You've got the destruction panel with the hot hail. You've got Jack Porkins. You've got Topol. You've got a cool rocket scene going into the Mongo verse. You got handcuffs that are like gold cuffs that shoot through the air and grab you you've got Ming's palace which is incredible to watch to look at and when you see it you'll know you'll you'll watch this movie and you'll see that scene and you'll say Rick and Danny were right I wonder what else they're right about so then we got you know Timothy Dalton Brian Blessed and Max von Sydow as Ming the Merciless who up until now has really just been a disembodied voice old school movie magic never show the beast till later on you know so that, that effect always still works. Just like the Emperor in Star Wars. You think Vader's bad, wait till you see my boss. That's true. And it gives them something to reveal later, you know, kind of a climax. So one thing to look out for when you're watching this, when you're in Ming's throne room, is there's this floating orb that kind of reports to Ming. And if you listen to the Big Trouble in China, Little China uh review that we did you heard me saying that it was kind of a ripoff well this is the thing i'm talking about it can kind of see things that are going on you even get kind of a pov view from it this uh, ming is a psycho yeah it, it picks up what people are saying it realizes that zarkov's got a gun in his pocket that goes and disintegrates the gun it kills a lizard person right there <laughs> in front yeah. of him so this I like thing that is, scene because it's like the lizard person just skittering by and it says, stop, lizard man. And he stops and he just vaporizes him And he anyway. still shoots like, him, even though he did like, exactly like he what he said. <laughs> what was he doing? Another reason to watch Flash Gordon, Blue Blood. Prince Thun, yeah. Prince Thun, who played Mr. Katanga in uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the, uh, the pirate that takes him out to sea and then gets uh, boarded by the Nazis. Uh, he decides he's gonna he's gonna give his loyalty to Ming because you know Ming destroyed his whole kingdom and he's like, well, you know, I come here with my loyalty. <laughs> I was gonna give you something, but you blew up my planet. <laughs> yeah. So you know, he, all I can says, well, give great. you Show me your loyalty is and my loyalty. Your sword. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think he meant it right. Probably not. He's a little upset. So moving on, you know, that that's not going to go well for Prince Thun. He gets frozen by the ring and he has to, you know, he gets stabbed by Ming by his own sword. Yep. And uh, he's got blue blood, which is uh which is pretty cool. It's it's a royalty uh commentary there too. Yep. The blue bloods. Why else do you watch Flash Gordon? Ming's daughter, Princess Aura. <laughs> well, she's not all that popular in the studio audience. Nevertheless, uh, Princess Aura, she's a uh, Italian. Uh, I'm sure. Did you look up her the actress's name? Nonetheless, what we're talking about is impressions from our childhood, and I remember Princess Aura. Oh yes, I do. Yes, without a doubt. 
her and Ming, you know, they're 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 kind of they're kind of lusty individuals. They're, yeah, uh, the the word I was going to use was loose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you got Ming's uh, sidekick there, or his uh, his vizier, uh, Clytus. Clytus. Who, uh, you know, wears this gold mask. And the mask moves. I mean, he looks really... It looks really scary. Yeah. Yeah, I remember being I, scared of Clytus as a kid. And, you know, we've seen what happens when masks don't move. So I think they did a good job making... Making him a character, and he—it's not distracting that he has this this metal face. It's yeah. just kind of okay. Yeah, that's what Clytus looks like. Yeah, he doesn't look like the nineteen ninety four Doctor Doom. <laughs> We're not going to do that movie, are we? No. Another reason to watch Flash Gordon: Ming's Ring, which sounds like yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Ming's Ring can do a, a number of things, and among them is a. Uh, Apparently, just grab some women and yeah, and make them do. Uh, all they needed was a, a stripper's pole. So here's the thing that that I really like about that scene is is that they just use forced perspective for it, and it's a great little effect. They have a little glowing red on her that she's being affected by the ring, but then they have Ming's hand kind of kind of move down her body yep. like he's touching her. And they just have the the forced perspective. She's in the background, and he's in the foreground. So his hand looks like it's going over, and it you don't need more than that. Yeah, you they, get the whole idea. And they didn't have to really work to to do it. They just they just did it. Yeah. Out of that, as <laughs> soon as that's done, and Dale kind of goes back to the side of Flash, she goes, "What happened to me?" And Flash goes, "I don't know, but it was pretty sensational." There's some really bad lines in this movie. So Ming's uh, Ming's hot for Dale now, you know. He got to see her show off a little bit. He's pretty hot for her. Hey, I think I'm going to have her. Then all of a sudden Flash goes, Forget it, Ming. Dale's with me. Then we get into the next reason of why you watch this movie. Football in the throne room with the, foot- the guards. The football fight, I guess you'd call it. Just watch it. You'll see what we mean. <laughs> you'll start to get embarrassed. So you'll start to get, as you watch this, you'll start to go, man, this is embarrassing. Just remember, it's Flash Gordon. It's <laughs> and Dale starts cheering like a cheerleader. Go Flash, go, go Flash, go. <laughs> and then Topol accidentally hits uh, Flash Gordon in the head with one of the eggs, and it uh, knocks him unconscious. At thirty-one minutes and twenty-two seconds of this movie, Flash Gordon is being executed. That's how fast this movie is moving, man. We've gone from Earth to another planet to execution in 31 minutes. That's that's fast, folks. Okay, so before he's going to be executed, they've got him held in the dungeon. And there's a bunch of weird stuff in this dungeon, man. You look around, there's a dwarf in a cage that's hanging on the wall. you got some lizard people that's looking out, which I can't make up my mind on these lizard people if they're scary-looking. Or it's almost like somebody's homemade Halloween project. Uh, yeah, the the weirdest thing about them is that though they're lizard people, it's like the mask is like the mouth of the lizard is open and the face is inside the mouth. So you got Flash standing there with his hands up over his head. He's handcuffed up to the ceiling. He's got this thing on his head, a big iron mask looking thing. It looks like something off a of Silent Hill. And uh, this is the thing I wanted to point out. So Dale comes in, 
Clytus gives them an amount of time, which the hourglass, the sand goes up instead of down. When they're having this little conversation between Dell and, and uh, Flash at this point, there is this dude standing over there. He's pretty much naked, got his head down, and it's just a creepy, what the heck is that scene? Yeah, I think they were just trying to, to flesh out the dungeon, so they had a guy, and they just stuck him back there. So I, I still think, though, this creepy dude that's in the back with no face that I'm talking about, I expect this to be some crazy, like, three men and a baby story. You know, how they had the thing where, you know, the thing was in the window and everybody was stopping to take a look at it. You know. Wait, so so there's a, a faceless guy who's naked in the background of three men and a baby? Yes. His name is Clyde. I missed that. Well, you, you, you miss a lot of things when you don't hang out with me, bud. Right oh. turn, Clyde. <laughs> right turn, Clyde. Hail Ming. <laughs> yeah. The creepy skull face people bring him in to be executed. They bring Flash in, put him in the gas chamber. He's toast. So you get to yeah. see Flash get killed right before your eyes. Right there. You know, and the the movie's hardly even gotten going. The, the hero's being executed. There's a little bit of intrigue because Ming's daughter, Princess Aura, you know, wants to save him and have him for her own. And he says no. He's killed, and then and then one of the things that I think you should look out for in the movie is uh, Flash Gordon's epitaph. Yeah. Hey, it looks like the best album of, what, 1982 or whatever. It's got <laughs> it looks like, 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 like a Molly Hatchet, Molly Hatchet album cover. It says Flash across the top. Like, <laughs> you'd think that he wasn't jettisoning this guy in a coffin out into space. Instead, he was, you know, building a a plaque for him somewhere in the Capitol because it said, you know, it says executed by Ming flash. Well, it could be a trophy room, you know, could be. Yeah. I thought they were on a way. conveyor and they were getting shot out into space. Maybe that's something else. It's hard to know because you get the little midget guys that come out of the holes in the floor and you don't know where all the, what else going on here. It's true. They, they have a lot of little skittering lizard men and, small people and stuff in the in all these rooms just princess aura has got her way and she comes to uh to resurrect flash from the dead with a kiss yeah right actually she brings in uh dr death or whatever his name is to come Dr. in and death. <laughs> so apparently they gave him a shot earlier to keep him alive and uh the doc goes in and gives him this resurgent serum or whatever to kind of bring him back out of it so she brings Flash back and is sneaking him out of Ming's palace with Ming <laughs> looking out of a window, basically seeing him go by. Yeah, he's just standing there. He's just standing there, chilled. You know, he's got his little funky little hat on, his weird little suit. He's thinking about just draining uh, Topal's mind here. And uh, so he's kind of intrigued with that, I guess. Just an experiment, something to do. He's bored. It's the weekend, you know, nothing to do. So he's <laughs> his daughter and Flash are sneaking out, which I love the fact that she makes him hurry up and get dressed, but he's got time to put on a scarf. Yeah, yeah, he puts on the pretty fabulous scarf, and then they uh, yeah sneak out the door. Yeah, don't wear anything that'll make you stand out. And <laughs> dude's dressed like one of the Jackson Five. <laughs> yeah, he... It looks like maybe a prison guard or a, a, a palace guard uniform or something, but 
I mean, anybody could recognize him because it doesn't cover his head, and everybody else seems to have masks and helmets and stuff, but but not the guy that's recognizable. Yeah. He doesn't get one. That's right. Just a jacket with a lightning bolt on it. Flash. So there's two things going on simultaneous here that you really need to kind of check out. I think the whole telepathy scene is just iconic. Not in a good way. <laughs> the princess lets him borrow this machine where he can contact Dale through telepathy. And uh, he uses it like a CB radio. So every time he's talking to her, he says, I'm doing fine. This is Flash. Over. <laughs> yeah, it, the whole communication between Flash and Dale via telepathy, I agree, is really hokey but it is definitely something you need to watch because it's it's great it's hilarious <laughs> then you've got them draining the mind of Hans Zarkov back at uh, Mongolia land that scene is just uh, it, it's kind of a horrifying thing to watch you really get some kind of emotion going when you're watching this thing yeah so in, another two reasons to watch the movie the, the telepathy scene which is awful and the mind wipe scene where they're they're taking Topol's memories away so that he could be an agent of Ming and they, they play all of his memories on a screen. Uh you know, and obviously he and his father, you know, lived through the Holocaust. There's some uh, some Hitler scenes in there and you know, they make a point to have Clytus say, Now he showed promise. Yeah, you know, so they you know, see what kind of people they are and and uh and Topol's getting his mind wiped all the way down to where he's just a heartbeat, you know, becoming a baby in his mother's womb. And the whole time he's watching and, and breathing heavily and his eyes are open. It's a lot like Clockwork Orange where it's it's like he's uh, he's being conditioned and, and his mind is being removed and retrained. It is. It's, it's done kind of campy, but it is really a disturbing scene too. And it's done pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I always thought that kind of stood out. It uh, again, the only thing I can think of, and I hadn't seen it at this age, you know, the, is the clockwork orange scene. So, you know, that's pretty heavy for, you know, a young person hasn't seen anything like that. So pretty heavy, pretty heavy. But uh, so, <laughs> going back to the telepathy scene, <laughs> another one of my favorite lines. He's he's talking with her uh, via telepathy and. She's uh, got somebody coming into her room, and she tells him, hang up, somebody's coming. <laughs> Just like you would in a phone conversation. And uh, I always lose it on that one, man, because it's just ridiculous. Yeah, hang up. Yeah, yeah. Like, she doesn't have anything on her head. So, yeah. so that's when she kind of makes her break, too, man. Tricks this lady into drinking this uh, this very expensive potion that's been brought in. And then she fights her way out. I mean, Dale breaks bad. And takes her high heels with her everywhere she goes. So she's got time to stop, set them down, turn some somersaults in this very expensive dress, shoot a ray gun, kill some bad guys that are dressed all in red that have respirators for heads. And when you hit them, they squeal like a pig. Another reason to watch Flash Gordon. Dale Arden steals a gun from a guard and uses it and now she misses but I mean she fights harder and more adeptly the first time she picks up a gun than I think Flash does the first three or four times he's in a a fight I mean he plays football the whole movie the whole movie her performance here if she would have done this in in Ming's throne room 
It'd be a different movie. Uh, agreed. It would have been Dale saves every one of us. Right. Because, yeah, uh, agreed. But it's a great little scene. She takes out three or four guards, you know, and then she takes off. There's there's even like an, at the end of the, the scene when she takes out the last guard, there's like a dun 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 and, and, you know. Coming out of that, <laughs> we're going to Aboria, which is basically, in Star Wars terms, Dagobah and, and Endor kind of combined. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're they got trees, and then they've got swamps, and they've got Robin Hood and his merry men yeah, a bunch hanging of tree out everywhere, living out there. You get these guys that are, I guess you would say, uh, stump trainers. Yeah, they they're going through some rite of passage to become a woodsman, and um, they've got to um, piss off this beast that's in a stump, and then try and make sure it doesn't kill him. Yeah, it's the log scorpion, I guess. I don't know what you'd call this thing. It's it, gr- uh, I think that's an apt description. It's green, it's angry, it kind of hisses. and it's He hits just, it with a stick. Yeah, I'd the, be the, mad. The too. priest guy hits it with a stick to make it mad. Yeah. And uh, and so the, the whole thing is to stick your hand in there and then, you know, be brave enough to do it. And this guy gets stabbed by it and he, you know, he dies and, and and Flash is over there watching this whole thing, and he looks at her and he says, "These guys are going to help me." <laughs> of course, Prince Baron's upset because you know Aura's playing him too, and uh, she's like, "Yeah, watch Flash for me." And he's like, "I'll, yeah, sure." And then you know one of his advisors is like, "You just kill him when she leaves." And he tricks Flash into doing the uh, the tree stump thing by saying, "Hey, I'll help you out." A guy leads him to the tree stump. The guy who played Riff Raff in a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, and then, you know, he, he has the thing, but he's already been there. So he kind of knows, you know, how the thing goes. So Flash pretends to have been stung. Then and, he jumps uh, up and goes, trick you, Baron. <laughs> yeah. And then he steals his sword and he's like, now my turn. And he takes off. <laughs> yeah. And he runs down at the swamp, which doesn't end up well for him because, you, you know, know, some kind of big googly spider thing well actually he he gets in some sand some quicksand first so he you know he goes into the quicksand he's running away from the baron falls in the quicksand finds some kind of i don't know what it is a vine or something starts pulling himself out and when he pulls himself out and he lays down the ground opened up opens up around him and this this thing is awesome uh, to this day i still wonder how they pulled this thing off i i'm pretty sure it's a garbage bag <laughs> it's covered in green slime covered stuff in, it, but the ground opens up almost like a giant kind of venus flytrap thing comes up around him with these long talons and it starts okay, pulling so, him down in the ground and yeah bottom line you need to watch this movie and you need to make sure you see this part because this thing is the the stuff of nightmares yes and and the only thing that i can think of that i can compare it to is if you've seen enemy mine Oh yeah! Everything on the planet from Enemy Mine is as weird and creepy as this thing is. Yeah, that's good. And and uh, you, you watch it, and you know he does. He doesn't get eaten by it, thank goodness. Because if he did, I don't think I would have ever slept again. You know, I was what six years old when I when that came out in nineteen eighty. I probably saw it a few years after, but I wouldn't have slept from like ten years old on because if that thing had eaten Flash, I would have been afraid that it would be in the ground somewhere in my life. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I feel the same way as far as the scene because uh, it's still the part that I would want to show people and go, man, look, look at this thing. I don't even know how to describe what they did with this. 
But another reason to watch this movie in the same scene, you get to see a crossbow laser pistol. Oh, those things we are haven't cool. seen one of those before. Yeah, except in Star Wars. <laughs> Hail Ming. <laughs> uh, These are pistols, though. Hey, but wait, hey kids, <laughs> do you like the uh, the crossbow laser pistol? I I don't think they did. No, they weren't very happy. And that's when the that's when the the hawk men show up. And uh, whisk them away. Something we haven't mentioned throughout the whole time that you're watching this movie. You see the Hawkman. Another thing to look for, the secondary Hawkman, who is also the bad guy in Dragon Slayer that gets stabbed through the pole. Yeah, the, the guy that I told you, you're going to want to see him get stabbed through a pole. Still don't know his and name. Does. Doesn't matter. He's the dude to get stabbed through a pole. He's got pretty awesome hair. He's got like a real broken nose. Something, yeah, that's something true. Something looks weird on the guy. Agreed. You know, you got this this creature thing that you're going to have that you're going to show your mom. You're going to say, look at this thing. I've never seen anything like it, mom. And she's going to say, I haven't either, son or daughter or dad, whatever. A relative you will show this thing to. It's going to happen. <laughs> um, and then the, the, the Hawkman come by. And what about the effects on those Hawkman's wings? Uh, this is where they spent the least money, I think. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, they got these backpacks with big, like, metal painted wings on. Yeah. And they saw that. I mean, they look great when they're on the ground, but when they're trying to fly with them, they're not very effective. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. true. Yeah, they look really yeah, bad. So. so why else do you watch Flash Gordon? The Baron and Flash Duel. That's right. They're on a big old platform with spikes. That's right. And Actually, it starts like, off. It starts off, and it's just a big open platform too. Around the sides, it just drops off into into space, basically. So there is there's no ground here, Monty. It's just there's open. no ground. That's right. And uh, it starts off with just the flat platform, and then uh, Brian Blessed gets kind of bored, and he says our famous line: "Give me the remote control." So he takes the remote control. And he starts making spikes and stuff start coming out of the platform. The platform starts tilting, and uh, it gets kind of crazy at that point. So you got Flash and the Baron dueling it out with a pair of bull whips on a platform that rotates and gyrates, and spikes come out of it. If that's if not you, cool, I don't know what is. I don't. I'm not sure I know what is, but that is. Yes, for sure, without a doubt. Another reason to watch this movie. The killing of Clytus. Flash picks Cly- him up, throws him on the spikes. Yeah, when when Clytus's face gets thrown on the spikes, this tongue and eyes just bulge out of the metal mask. It's really weird looking. That that terrified me as a kid. I remember watching that over and over and going, I don't really know what I'm seeing here. And I think that bothered me more than the fact of just stuff was coming out. It was the fact of I couldn't comprehend what I was actually seeing come out of these holes that's in this mask. I knew there were eyeballs, so, but I don't know what kind of eyeballs. Yeah, they're they're weird looking. Um, so so far, just to recap, the things you don't want to miss: you got Flash in a station wagon, you got Prince Zarkov's lab with the rocket, you've got a bad fight scene, you've got space is the place where Zarkov, Dale, and Flash the place. float through. You've got uh, 
handcuffs from bizarre guards. You've got the palace throne room. You've got the execution of, or you've got the football fight scene, which which is astonishingly, amazingly bad in a way that you have to watch. Um, then you've got the execution of Flash, which takes place so close to the beginning of the movie, you almost don't think he's the hero anymore. You've got uh, the upside-down hourglass. You've got the epitaph of Flash that looks like a rock album. Ooh, there's a lot of stuff. You, you've got the telepathic fight scene. You've got Dale Breaks Bad. You've got uh, Arborea with their strange cult things and their weird uh, fauna that eat people from underground. And then you've got the uh, duel between Baron and Flash. And I think I skipped some stuff just because, sure. you know, we're... Yeah, we're trying we, to cram it all in. Already. Clytus is gone. This is where uh, Ming shows up because they found out that Flash is at this location with the Hawkmen. He basically, because uh, they, they know he's coming, he's going to destroy the whole planet slash city, whatever this thing is that they live on. Yeah, Spaceport, whatever. It's it's not another Star Wars ripoff. It's just a cloud city, basically. <laughs> Hail Ming. It, it is exactly a Star Wars ripoff. It was anyways, before that. It, it oh, came out before the right. second Star Wars. Oh, Star so maybe Wars Star ripped Wars off. ripped off Flash. Ooh, what about that, folks? You heard it here first. What do you think, studio audience? <laughs> they don't like it. Oh. So Ming shows up, gives Flash a chance at greatness. Hey, I'll give you a planet, whatever you want. You're a cool dude. I killed you. You come back. You must be okay. You can work for me. No way, Ming. I'm not working for you. So he decides he's going to blow this thing up with Flash on it, thinking he kills Flash again, but he does not. This is the scene that even when they did the remake TV series in the 2000s, this is the scene that they use where Flash is running through the explosions to get on the, the rocket cycle and fly off into space to get away from the explosion. So Flash makes it out, obviously. And that's where you get uh, him calling the Hawkmen on his radio and trying to team up with them and get together and say, all right, we're going to take this guy out, this mean guy. We're going to take it. Yep. Flash teams up with the Hawkmen, and they're going to go take out Ming. And you could probably fast forward through a lot of this, although Brian Blessed has some great lines, and it's always good to listen to him talk. Um, they get together, and... Uh, Blessed comes up with a plan that they're going to break through the uh, the elect the uh, shield. Yes. What's it called? What, what's it called? What is that shield called? It's the a needle of love. The needle of love. <laughs> it's called the lightning shield. Sure. They're going. Yes, to, that's right. They're going to break through the lightning shield and they're going yep. to come in and get him while he's getting married because he won't be expecting it. Yeah. And they're they're saying that they're using the lightning shield as a celebrational thing, you know, for for Ming's wedding, but really it's to keep it from anybody. Attacking. Right, because they they heard Flash is there, but they don't want to tell Ming because they know they're going to get killed, you know, a la Darth Vader style if they tell him on his wedding day. That's right. That Flash is still alive. Gordon's alive. So you uh, get your group that actually have have gone back in, and this is what we we're talking about earlier with the princess stabbing one of the hog dudes. <laughs> in the back with the needles and all that stuff. And uh, there's a scene right in here going into the uh, the dungeon, which is an exact 
Star Wars ripoff, the 1977 Episode Four version, because they go in and they start shooting the security cameras, and then he, she puts her hand over the dude's mouth and does a fake report like, oh, there's trouble down here with this camera, blah, blah, blah. It's identical to Han Solo, you know, when they have the shootout towards the dumpsters and all that stuff. I think she says, camera malfunction, yeah. area 77 Delta. All right. Yeah, I remember stuff like that. So... What happens, but General Carla, who's kind of the Princess Phasma, or the uh, the Captain Phasma of this movie, you know, she tells everybody, hey, you know, Gordon's alive, but I'm not going to tell Ming. We'll just blow him up with, you know, send War Rocket Ajax. That's right. To bring back his body. And War Rocket Ajax is a big old cylinder with a needle on the top. 1950s drawn battleship. Uh, there's no doubt that this was... You know, the imagination of taking the car styles of the time and the idea of space travel that was hot on everybody's minds back at that time and creating these ships. And they recreated it, I think, to the specs of that time period. It's pretty cool. Kind of looks like a big uh, bee or something. Really? Yeah, yeah it, it does. I mean, there's The other one looks more like a bee, but War Rocket Ajax definitely looks like the 1930s yeah. comic book for sure. And uh, so they they try and get Flash, but he goes into a cloud, and they don't know that all the Hawkmen are there. So they get ambushed, and the Hawkmen take out all of Ming's folks. You hear, die! And you that's go right, into battle. That's right. As they, they, they come down in waves and waves, they kill all of Ming's folks. And just like uh, Zarkov's rocket, you can't fly this thing without somebody with a foot on the clutch. So they're going to hit War Rocket Ajax into the lightning shield. They're going to swoop in after it, and then they're going to beat Meng. But Flash has to stay at the helm. That's right. So War Rocket Ajax basically saves the day. Well, except that you know that there are our drop party there of uh, Prin- Prince Baron and Princess Aura and Zarkov. They managed to turn off the lightning shield Allah. by killing General Carla, and she has black blood. She just kind of like withers oh, yeah. into nothing on the floor. Yeah, almost kind of like Wicked Witch looking aftermath. Just leaving her weird black and gold uniform yeah. on the ground. Yeah, leaving nothing behind but her accent. It's like a Potsylvanian accent like yeah. Natasha. Weird. Very weird. Anyhow, so Zawarak so and Ajax is about to hit the lightning shield. Flash will be killed. But it doesn't happen. The lightning shield goes down, and it just shoots through the throne room. And what happens, Rick? The nose of War Rocket Ajax goes right into the back of Ming the Merciless, comes out the front. He's holding on to it, and then he just kind of leans forward, and you can see it kind of pull, which is still a good-looking effect. Man, it, it, it looks painful. It really looks good. So... Yeah, so the front of the spaceship goes through Ming the Merciless. Yeah, Flash jumps out, threatens him with some kind of a like a a oh, bumper not- off of a Chrysler or something. <laughs> like he's going to hit him with it. Yeah, it's and right. Ming's like, you stand back. Dead. And the ring starts to fade, and he says, your power is fading, Ming. Yeah, yeah. Then all of a sudden, he gets that, that red glow that we talked about earlier on Dale. Then he just kind of evaporates, and the ring falls to the ground. And then the little robot dude comes up, floating over, that I said that Big Trouble in China kind of ripped off. And he comes up to, to Flash, and Flash has got that 
car bumper, like you're talking about, sword. And he goes, gets pulls back, ready to hit that thing, and it goes, Hell Flash Gordon, Savior of the Universe. Then he does the iconic jump to the camera. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> then the music, roll the queen music, let's wrap this baby up. So they're celebrating. All the other princes of the universe get together and they're partying and stuff and thanking Flash for doing everything. The Hawkman starts spelling letters. And fortunately, they're pretty decent spellers because, you know, it's difficult to do. So, so you know, you, you mentioned the princes of the universe, which made me think of uh, Queen also doing the, the Highlander soundtrack. And that's something I read was that uh, that the Who Wants to Live Forever line that Brian Blessed gives was the uh, was the motivation for the Who Wants to Live Forever song that they did for Highlander. Oh, well, who wants to live forever? <laughs> you know, just hearing that should make you want to go see the movie right there. It, it makes me want to watch the movie right now. Yeah. Flash saves the day, gets the chance to stay. They're celebrating. I think they're deciding they're going to try to go back to Earth somehow. But in the process, everybody leaves. Then you get that iconic ending, which now every movie ends this way. Back then, it wasn't as popular. But you got to remember, Flash Gordon was a cliffhanger series that came on before other movies and stuff. So all of a sudden, you see the credits, and it says, it shows Ming's ring laying on the ground, and it says, the end. Then you see a hand come down and pick up the ring, and actually, you hear this. (laughs) Question mark. Then the music starts. That's the end of the movie. Could have That's been it. set up for a sequel. Never happened. Yeah, not not in our lifetime. It's it's not going to happen. So they tried this with a series later on. It's just not the same. It's kind of weird how even when you have actors that are not incredible, you still judge other people playing that character by that person's performance. Sam Jones is Flash Gordon. Bad lines and all. It just kind of works. No, I agree. I, I think that, again, it was the movie it needed to be. It, it wasn't the best movie ever. It wasn't the most exciting or the funniest or the best effects. But it had everything it needed to be the Flash Gordon movie. And if you watch it with that in mind, then you're going to have a good time watching it. So, anyway. yeah, that's another cool yeah. thing to watch. Another thing we forgot to mention the bull worms not necessarily the bull worms but that scene yeah they're torturing uh, princess aura yeah they're torturing princess aura because she you know uh, resurrected flash and they found out about it and she says don't put the boar worms on me and they and then you know they call up ming and he says yeah go ahead he's eating some fruit and he's like and they say well we have a near confession and he says do what you need to and he's yeah and she goes, Father, no! And, then, and they put the boarworms on her. So Later, you know, she's all burned up on her back. And we don't want to sound like pigs here, but, you know, this scene's got her in, in this Like rayon pantsuit with an yeah. open back. You know, but, you know, I, they knew what they were doing when they made that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, And they've got the hands, you know, from the guns, like we were talking about earlier, that are holding her down in place. And, of course, she's been whipped and stuff. You can see the marks on her back and all this kind of stuff. But uh, for a young kid, uh, yeah, it's uh, it stays with you. It's, it's like a- something you'll never see in another movie. 
Okay. So I give this, uh, I give it 10 Hail Mings. 10 Hail Mings? Yes. That's pretty good. I, I think I'll give it, um, I think I'll give it a resounding Hawkman dive. <laughs> I think I've got that. Let's see. Die! Man, you were spot on. Thanks. That was I, awesome. I do my best. <laughs> we'll be right back. No Name Nectar from the Pleasure Galaxy. It has no name. Ever want to forget that night with me? How about if you don't mind remembering? Mind, squeezed, or somehow extracted from the Pleasure Galaxy. I know you want to go to that Pleasure Nebula with yours truly. Or maybe me. It won't need a name for what it's going to do to you. No Name Nectar may cause the following. Death of the Hands of Ming and his execution squads. Headaches. Vomiting. Waking up and realizing you just had a wedding night with Ming. License number 1124338. Hail Ming. Howdy, folks. I'm Marshall Lucky. And I'm here to tell you that if you're wanting the best bang for your buck, then come on down to Ming's Emporium. That's right. When good old Ming takes out the enemy, that means savings direct to you. Are you looking for deals on these things? Hardly used clothes? Ice jewels from Phrygia? Pan flutes? Big old guns and swords? We got them. Yes, sir. We're blowing the crap out of these high prices. Ceremonial tribute eggs for 78 mungo bucks. Get it for 40. Telepathy booths for 500 mungos. How about 225? Yes, sir. You can't beat Ming's deals. Now wait a gall darn minute. Is that an Ajax rocket cycle for 24,000 mungo dollars? That's too freaking high. Yes, sir. We blew that overpriced piece of crap away. Let's come on down and bring your mom to Ming's Emporium. The best deals in the Mongoverse. Did you hear what I said? That's Ming's Emporium. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that one. Man, we love this movie. Really had a great time talking about it. Like we said earlier, go and check out Legion Podcast. Check out the other stuff there. Check out our Facebook page. Matter of fact, if you will, start listing some movies on there that you guys want us to to start covering because uh, we want to keep you entertained and keep you involved. So uh, the best way to do that is just to hear your voice. Yeah, the, these movies are ones that we love, but if you tell us movies that you love, we can watch them and decide if we love them too. And until if we you, don't... And tell you where you're wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if, uh, if we don't love them, then we'll let you know gently. Gently, <laughs> like you're a child and we're a loving mother. Oh, So stay tuned, folks. Uh, next episode should be coming out in a couple of weeks. I believe we're going to conquer The Last Starfighter. And the mighty original Clash of the Titans. That's going to be a good one. Till then, adios.